This is Cody Smith, and you're listening to the Virtuous Fitness Podcast. What's going on, you guys, and welcome back to the Virtuous Fitness Podcast. Today, I'm going to share all my insights around training for longevity from a programming standpoint for both strength, resistance training, and conditioning. But as always, before we jump into the show, I need your help. Hit pause, hit the stop button, whatever's on your phone right now. Head on over to iTunes and give this show a five-star written rating and review. This helps us honestly to move up the charts and to get it in front of more people just like you who can benefit from the information that we go over in this show. The second thing you can do would be to simply take a screenshot on your phone, post it on your Instagram story, and then be sure to tag me in it. I am at Coach Cody Smith on Instagram. I love when you guys do that because number one, I'm going to reshare it on my story and show you some love. The second thing is it allows me to connect with people that listen to the show and that are impacted in a positive way. So again, leave that rating and review and then go ahead and post this up on your Instagram story. And then without any further ado, you guys, let's go ahead and jump into the content for today's show. So I actually just got done being interviewed uh, by my friend Paul Klingen on his podcast and we just kind of jumped into a lot of personal development stuff and honestly I just kind of felt like I was on a roll I wanted to keep talking I wanted to keep you know giving out information and content education to people so kind of wrote down some thoughts that I have around training for longevity and I'm just going to roll it out and uh, you know I I like to think that I, I know a little something about training for longevity considering I have told my overtraining story a thousand times. And honestly, if like just telling it, uh, you know, a thousand more times will keep more people from beating their body to a pulp only to find out years down the road that they wasted their time and their body chasing something that wasn't nearly as important as they thought it was. If I can save people from that and give out information that helps people to essentially move away from running into that problem, then I have done my job because I spent years in the overtraining category. And now some people argue, you know, overtraining versus under recovering is overtraining syndrome really a thing. I can only tell you what I experienced and 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 personally what I experienced felt a lot like overtraining. Sure, you could probably say I was under recovered, but nonetheless, I trained so much <clears throat> that, you know, one morning I'm sitting on the couch. I'm putting my foot across the top of my knee to put my socks on, and I was in some of the worst pain to date. That I've ever experienced in my body and realizing that to be able to do heavy squat cleans, heavy snatches, heavy thrusters, kipping pull-ups and all the things that are associated with competitive CrossFit, to realize that to be able to do those things, I couldn't do something as simple as putting my socks on without pain really led me down this rabbit hole of understanding how could I continue to train, get stronger, build muscle and perform at a decent level without sacrificing my body in the process. And and really what I'm going to go over in today's show is going to be built off of that main premise. How can you continue to, to do the things that you want to do without, you know, your body being uh, dispensable in the process? Okay, so first things first, remember you are not invincible. Okay, what you are doing right now, if you're doing too much, or you know, if you're doing too many of the, the same movement patterns or overusing your body in any way, shape, or form, 
it will catch up with you eventually. So if we can just frame this entire show with that thought in mind, then you know we can approach this show with open, uh, you know, with open ears and ready to receive. And know that if you're a coach coming to this show, that these principles in here are going to be great usage, just in general, just to program at a better level. But it's going to be great for you to be able to explain to your clients how these things work and, and maybe share with them some some stories of you know overtraining that you've experienced or that you've seen others experience just to get them bought in on some of these principles and some of these methods okay so first things first when it comes to training you know for longevity the the first thing that I want to share with you guys is that I think you should train the big you know the the compound lifts less frequently and focus more on the accessory work because they support the lifts. So rather than spending majority of your time, you know, doing heavy bench presses, heavy squats, heavy cleans and things like that, start to think outside of the box in a way that you can focus on things that support them a little bit better, right? So if you're, and, and I want to talk about a, a few studies that I stumbled in on uh, over the years when I, when I kind of started to develop this thought process is that, you know, if you're a person that struggles in the deadlift, well, if you're struggling in the deadlift because you can't keep your upper back set or because you can't keep your lats packed down or maybe it's grip, what types of accessory work can you do to help to make that lift a little bit better other than doing that lift over and over and over again? And remember, because the more you do the, the heavier stuff, the compound-based movements, things that are you know, you know, more taxing on your body, you're going to fatigue your nervous system and you're going to cause more stress on your joints and your structure. Okay. So training the big, you know, the big lifts, the compound lifts to less frequency and or less frequently and focusing on your accessory work more is going to be a great approach to uh, training for longer periods of times, relatively uninjured and feeling better in the process. Okay. Second one, be okay with more dumbbell in bands and kettlebells and cable work. This kind of piggybacks a lot on what I talked about with the compound lifts. If you are training the heavier stuff all the time, it's going to cause more stress on your joints. It's going to cause more wear and tear. I like to attribute it a lot to like a vehicle. Your body is a lot like a vehicle and there's a certain amount of mileage that your body can take. Training heavy and training things that are highly com highly complex all the time are going to put more miles on your car per se than things that are a little lighter. So we want to always think like what <clears throat> what can we get more done with less? Well, we know that doing dumbbell work and bands and kettlebells and cables are going to be a lot less stressful on your joints than the other things. So if you're a person that's always walking around and you know feeling pretty beat up then maybe start to switch some of these exercises to the lighter components uh, could be a good step in the right direction. Now, uh, kind of moving on for that and, and with this same thought process, there's a question that I like to kind of share with people and, and really what I think to myself when I'm making my programs or you know going over this with somebody. And it goes down to this. Ask yourself the question of what can you do safely with perfect technique create progressive overload over time, meaning lift more, lift more volume over time that fits your ideal structure the best. Because really, if, if we really think about it, that's intelligent training. That's training for longevity. It's thinking about 
things that you can do safely, that you can do correctly, as, as it, with every repetition, right? Your first rep should look, look the same as your last rep. What can you do safely with perfect technique? Continue to add load over time, and it fits your structure. Like, I am a terrible back squatter. <clears throat> For years and years, my hips and knees and everything's just ache when I do back squat. No matter how much mobility I do, how much activation, how much accessory work that I do, back squatting is just something that is extremely uncomfortable for me. In my opinion, it's not going to be the best use of my time based off of my goal of being able to train for a long time and to feel good and to look good. So with that in mind, then I need to be more intelligent with my training approach and know that um, I, I don't really have to do the back squat. There's other ways to get lower body strength. And that goes hand in hand with my next kind of thought and next point that I want to share with you guys. And this actually came straight from uh, my interview that I did with Chad Wesley Smith on the show. If you haven't listened to that, make sure to go back to a, a few episodes earlier and check that out. But if the back squat isn't your sport, <clears throat> you do not have to do it. Realistically, if you're, if you're feeling pain when you do specific exercises, your, your body is going to downregulate to protect you and literally mental, mentally block you off. Right? It's going to keep you from doing things at a higher level because they know that it's going to hurt you. And, and, and maybe on the other side of it, you might back off due to fear of injury. So the question becomes, is the back squat going to be the best use of your time? Right? The, the question that I asked Chad when he kind of said this to me, it was like, What's, what are great options for squatting for a person that has hip pain? And he was like, well, the back squat's not your sport. Don't do it. And I was like, hmm. And, and I thought about that. And it's like some people get so caught up in... You know, having to do things like muscle ups and handstand push ups and heavy back squats, heavy deadlifts, Olympic lifts, things like that. And we have to ask ourselves the question well, are you going to use it for a sport? Does it directly support your goal? And if the answer is, you know, well, no to those things, well, then you don't have to do them and they don't have to be in your program. And then if you're a coach listening to this, come into it with the mindset that, yes, we know that the back squat is great for building lower body strength in the quads and the glutes and uh, good trunk stability. But if your client is hurting when they do it, think of other exercises they can do to get stronger instead of just, you know, doing the back squat. Okay. All right. Next idea or next thought. Decrease the frequency of your big compound movements and increase the frequency of accessory work. So this is going to piggyback a lot on training the compounds less. So if you don't want to train them less frequently, right, or, or uh, if you don't want to train them, you know, less times per week, um, maybe you can just decrease the amount of volume that you are doing in those lifts each day and then increase that with the accessory work that you are doing to support, right? So again, this is all, you're, you're kind of seeing that, we're essentially just trying to decrease the amount of miles that, you know, you, you are putting on your system. And, and to kind of piggyback off of that a little bit is that, you know, maybe one, let's, let's take an upper body as an example. Maybe one day you're going to do, you know, heavy bench press, heavy, you know, maybe some weighted pull-ups and then some upper body incline or some incline dumbbell presses and going to finish that up with some dumbbell rows or something like that. Maybe the next day, instead of on that same upper body day, opting because you know maybe you went horizontal push was your focus for your for your compound on the first upper body day. Maybe your second upper body day in the week, you decide you know maybe I want to do a vertical press. Well, instead of using like a barbell strict press or a Z press or push press or anything like that, 
Maybe you decide to go with a single arm dumbbell Z press or maybe a half kneeling landmine press instead as your focus for the day and increase the amount of accessory work that you're going to do inside of that training. Um, and, and again, that's a good way to kind of balance it is one day is going to be your compound. The next day of that same you know pattern or whatever that you're focusing on can simply be more accessory work instead. Right. Um, and that's just a, a, that's something that I love to do inside of training programs when I'm programming for people. Now, you got to remember that if you want to progress in a certain lift, and especially, you know, long term speaking, right? A lot of times people think if I'm not good in a lift, I got to do it over and over again. If you want to progress in a certain lift, pay attention to what muscle groups are lacking and build those up. Right. And I'll go back to my deadlift, my deadlift example. If you're lacking in your hamstrings or your erectors are weak or it's your core, what types of things can you do to, you know, make those better? Maybe if the deadlift, if your hamstrings are weak, maybe start to do more Nordics. Maybe add in more um, good mornings or single leg deadlift or uh, Romanian deadlifts instead. Banded hamstring curls are another great option just to get some uh, hamstring or hypertrophy on your hamstrings. If your erectors are weak, can you start throwing in more back extensions or things like king squats or uh, anything? Or arch-ups on the floor could work. If your core is weak, could you do more planking? Could you do more carries? Could you do more rotational work? How can you bring up the lagging muscle groups? That's a way to progress a certain lift instead of doing the lift over and over again and beating your body up in the process. It, you know, old train of thought and something that <clears throat> people will say to this day is that um, frequency of doing a lift is always going to help to progress it, right? So if you if you increase frequency, then in theory you should be able to you know progress in that lift. But sometimes that comes at the expense of really beating your body up. So then the question becomes, what is a lagging muscle group? You know, Louis Simmons made this very popular with his conjugate training systems in that they did far less, you know, compound lifts, you know. Doing the the classical lifts that they did or the competitive lifts, they did far less of the competitive lifts and more of the accessory work long term um, to get better. And uh, we can take that same process and think about um, you know using that for longevity purpose. We don't. We just got to be careful that <clears throat> we don't worship the act of strength instead of actually just being strong, right? Because we know that strength doesn't mean that you back squat, you bench, you deadlift. You do cleans and snatches. Strength means that you are able to move external loads more easily than you could before, right? So don't worship the act of strength, the things that are continued strength, at the expense of just actually doing things to get strong, okay? Um, now, to kind of go into some of this a little bit deeper, so I talked about there are a few studies. There's actually two um, in which they essentially covered accessory work versus compound lifts, right? Uh, one was where they pretty much covered the rear foot elevated split squat, and the other one uh, covered box step-ups. And, and what they found is that in both cases, uh, and this is all compared to the squat, and what they found in all cases is that squat strength was equal in both the accessory work group and the back squat group when volume and progressive overload was accounted for. Now, again, in most cases, on the the barbell back squat, you're going to lift a little bit more, right? You're going to be able to load that down a little bit more. You're going to be able to challenge your body a little bit more. Now, if you're going to do something like a rear foot elevated split squat instead, then you're going to have to load that as well, or you're going to have to do enough repetition to accumulate the same amount of fatigue that you would in the squat, but in a more a much more safe thing. So what they found in the study with the box step up and the, and the elevated split squat 
was that the strength was the same in both the groups, right? So if we, if we can just keep in mind that volume and progressive overload is important and we account for that when we're trying to pull some of the compounds out of our training for, you know, allowing people to train for long periods of time, then we're, we're going to be doing our due diligence to make sure that we're getting results for our clients, okay? Now, another little, an, another thought around training for longevity is going to be making sure that we use proper exercise sequencing, okay? So when I say use proper exercise sequencing, I'm simply talking about the things that are going to require the most attention, the things that are going to require, you know, the, the, the most amount of focus should be put in the beginning of the training session. Okay, so again, maybe if you have the you're, you're lagging in the squat, and you want to make sure that the most amount of attention is given to that, and you don't want to, you know, do it when the person is tired and fatigued from the session where more injuries can can uh, can happen. Then we want to make sure that it happens in the beginning of the session. So whatever the focus needs to be, whatever's lagging, whatever you're trying to bring up, if you want to do it without having to just simply repeat that exercise over and over again per each week make sure to put it in the beginning of the session first. That way they're most fresh, their CNS isn't fatigued yet, and they can attack it with the most clarity and focus out of all the exercises that day. That's why typically the, the first lift of the day is always going to be my focus inside of my training programs that I use with clients, both for my online and in-person people, because that's what I want focused on, and that's what I want the most intention given to that day. Moving on from there, make proper warm-ups. Warm up the muscles that are used in the focus of the day. So if we're talking about longevity, something that people, there, there's, there's two camps. There's people that warm up too much and they do so much band work, so much foam rolling and you know the rom wads, the go wads, the yoga, all that stuff. They spend so much time warming up that they pretty much never train. But then you have the other crowd that doesn't warm up at all that they'll come in and, you know, and I, I'm not saying that you need to warm up for 15 or 20 minutes every day. I'm just simply saying that the muscle groups that you're going to use need to be heated up for the day. And uh, now caveat to this is that if you're doing Olympic lifting, that completely, uh, th this entire theory is debunked because when it comes to Olympic lifting, you have to warm up for long periods of time. And, and it is what it is. It's something that comes with the sport. But Warm-ups in general do not need to be super long, but they do need to heat up the muscles in the day. Like if you're doing deadlifts, you probably need to heat up your upper back. You probably need to get your glutes going. You probably need to get your core and your hamstrings firing for the day. If you're going to do a bench press, well, it doesn't hurt to do something explosive for the upper body, maybe some push-ups, maybe some um, pec openers, maybe even some lat openers, just to make sure that you're ready to go for that exercise. But making sure that you are heating up and getting the muscles prepped that you are using in the training session is always going to be a good way to mitigate injuries and to make sure that you can train for long periods of times without being super beat up. We want to remember, guys, that we, 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 we have to keep the, you know, the, the goal of our training the goal, right? To, to kind of encompass all this stuff is that um, I, I hope you're kind of getting that from this, this, this topic is that um, warming up, making sure that you're training in a way that is intelligent and you're, you're focusing on lagging muscle groups and you're not overtraining per, you know, particular lifts. You're not getting married into a particular lift. Like, you know, if you're not a competitor in it, you don't have to do it. And um, if you're not doing a sport that is, is needs you to do that lift, then all you need to do is train in a way that gets you to your goal safely. Warming up, extra, sequencing your exercises correctly, 
focusing on lagging muscle groups, doing a little bit more accessory work than you do just, you know, the compound movements all the time. And then, uh, you know, maybe even adding in more tempos and more control is always going to be the best route in, when it comes to training for longevity. Okay. Uh, next thing, focus on one, one to two things at a time instead of everything. Right. I think this is really good because, again, clarity of focus, singularity of focus allows you to work on one thing and give it the most attention possible. When we get, you know, when we get kind of scatterbrained and thinking about a bunch of things, we um, we, we 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 lose focus on what we're doing. We get we get scatterbrained and we don't think about what we're focusing on, which can lead to, especially in a training session, if you're like, I need to get strong in my lower body, but I need to upper body press. I need to get better at my anaerobic conditioning. If you're thinking about all these things all at one time, you're probably not going to execute nearly as much as today. All I'm working on is getting my lower body strong, right? And, and this comes to your programming as a whole, just focusing on one single thing at a time, allow maximum recovery in that thing, allow maximum focus in that thing, is going to make sure that you get the furthest, uh, you know, the closest to your results in the fastest way possible. Now, um, next bullet. Strength maintenance is easier than you think. You can do way less than you think. Now, this was a hard pill for me to swallow. And one big lesson that I learned over the years is I used to think that more was better and that doing more training would equate to more results. When in reality, there's, there's, there's this point of diminishing returns, right? It's almost like a, a bell curve in a way that, you know, when you start off training, there is this point where you're getting more results and more results. But you get to this, this peak and this climax to where once you have trained a certain amount and you try to push a little bit further, you actually start to get less results because your body starts to under recover, Okay, so when it comes to getting strong, when it comes to getting more conditioned, we need to find the, the right amount of work that we need to do. And, um, you know, uh, Dr. Isertel over at Renaissance Periodization talks a lot about this with some of his volume landmarks when it comes to strength and hypertrophy. Uh, I'm not going to go and quote that here, but um, it, it's far less than some of the programs that I remember doing when I was coming up in training and, and doing... <laughs> gosh, some sessions, 30 to 40 sets, when really, you know, we know in, in general, 10 to 20 sets on most things is going to be great if uh, you're loading and your volume, or if your loading is accounted for and you're doing progressive overload. So strength maintenance is easier than you think. You can do way less than you think, okay? So then the question becomes, with conditioning, where does all that come into play, right? Where, where do, you know, how do, how should we view conditioning in the sense, you know, of, training for longevity. Well, in my opinion, some people might disagree with me, but again, the obvious, listen, there's always going to be, it depends in pretty much everything I'm talking about. I'm just giving general ideas and allowing you to have other thoughts outside the box uh, when it comes to programming and your own personal training. But um, basically speaking, or, or, or you know, just a, a baseline for people to consider. In general, three days of full body, and walking eight to 10,000 steps, it's probably going to be the best approach for uh, a beginning person, right? Looking at them being able to train for the rest of their life, that's going to be the best place to start. Just three days of full body resistance and maybe walking eight to 10,000 steps a day. Now, moving on from there, intermediates, probably three to four days a week. Maybe start throwing in movement pattern splits. Of course, they can still do full body and they can start to mix in mixed aerobic conditioning, still maybe doing some walking, maybe anaerobic if they are cho you know, 
chasing towards a specific performance-based, uh, you know, event or something of that nature. Okay. Now, obviously with advanced, we can use the whole myriad of everything. We can go, we can use a little bit of anaerobic if it supports their sport. We can do mixed aerobic conditioning. They can walk, they can resistance train maybe five days a week if they're able to recover from it. But for the most part, that's what I'm speaking on in conditioning and all the things from the uh, strength training, resistance training side of the house that I kind of laid out with more accessory based stuff, less compound based stuff is going to apply inside of the mixed aerobic conditioning. So, you know, maybe instead of using a barbell power snatch, they could use a dumbbell snatch. Maybe instead of doing a barbell clean, it could be a dumbbell clean. It could be a dumbbell thruster instead of a barbell thruster. Maybe throw in some band work. Maybe throw in some, instead of doing something like toes to bar, maybe they do uh, some slow controlled sit-ups or some forearm planks instead or some side plank rotations. Another way to look outside the box and, and doing things that are less fatiguing in the system if you're going to throw those types of movements in their mixed aerobic conditioning. Now, to, to, to bring all this to a close and to give just one you know, big final thought, if you want to make a program that is going to provide longevity for yourself or if you're a coach listening to this for your clients, in general, make sure that your program has structure. So proper sequencing, volume is accounted for, recovery is accounted for, make sure you're taking into account lifestyle, your nutrition, all these different things. Most days you should train at, you know, 80 to 90% effort, right? So most of the time, 80 to 90% effort and do it consistently. That's a big key. Do it consistently three to five days per week for the rest of your life, you know, or, or at least the next 10 years, right? And if you approach training in that way, you're going to have a, you know, a great bill of health. Your body's going to feel fantastic. You're going to get all the results you can ever want, and you're going to live long and prosper at a, at a, at a high level. So you guys, that are, that, that is some of my thoughts around training for longevity. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you got some nuggets and, and some, some things that you can apply to your training and that you can, uh, if you're a coach listening to this, that you can apply to your client's training. Um, if you want to work directly with me or my team, we use all of these things inside of our processes. All you got to do is hit the link in the description of this show and you can reach out to us and uh, our team will reach out and get you on a strategy call and see if we're a good fit to work with you. Um, we use all these processes inside of our training with all of our clients and it's the way that we've been residing providing results for 10 years with our coaching clients, both in person and remote. So if you're listening to this show and you're looking for a coach and you can't necessarily make it too virtuous to train with us, we would love to work with you remotely. We've been doing it for years and uh, we can still provide great value to you um, remotely as well. So again, click the link to the coaching application in the show notes and uh, we can get you moving on uh, some coaching and a strategy call. So you guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, again, hope you got value and I will talk to you on the next episode. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today and tuning into the Virtuous Fitness Podcast. I release episodes every single week. You can find me at Coach Cody Smith in the gym at Virtuous Fitness WA on Instagram to stay up to date with all things Virtuous Fitness. Before you go, head over to iTunes and give this show a rating and review. That is how we grow this show and make it even more impactful for you. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode.